just keep dreaming big. You know, these opportunities, they're, they're closer than you think, and they, they can come about. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Corbett, your host, and with none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. Brandon, how you doing this fine day, sir? Well, personally, not having to do anything with the Rays, I'm not doing half bad myself. Oh, my gosh. Here it is. We've been through five games. It's Tuesday, and we get to take a breath. Maybe I'll actually sleep in tonight. We'll see. Yeah, we get a, a nice go to bed a little bit earlier, not at 12 or 12.30 like we have the past few nights. But I know. I mean, it's it's been it's nothing but excitement. And I want to reflect back on what we just played there at the beginning. That was our good friend, Mr. Brett Phillips. A man we'll go into a lot more depth later on, but we're talking about dreaming big, and that's exactly what the Rays are doing. We're there, man. We are in the World Freaking Series with Charlie Freaking Morton and all the other freaking guys and the best freaking champs in the world per, Charlie, per Kevin Cash. <laughs> it's a freaking good day. It is. Hopefully we get a freaking good result, unlike we have the past couple nights. But <laughs> Okay, well, let's, let's put some of this on the burner. I want you, Brandon, you do a great job on the rundown. Give us kind of a beat on what's been happening to get us where we are here, starting out just brief summary of the, the first three games, not a rundown, and then we'll take a deeper dive into four and five. All right, so with the Rays, I had Charlie freaking Morton on the mound. He went four and a third, five runs. All of them were earned with a walk of six strikeouts, so not the greatest outing from Charlie out there. A Rosarena, he continued his hot streak. He was one for four with an RBI and a homer as well as Adamus, one for three with an RBI, and the team was one for three with runners in scoring position. And that was about the only positive taken away from there is that it's a best-of-seven series, and they went on to game four the next night, and they got the victory. Though It was very ugly. It wasn't the prettiest in an eight-to-seven win. I know I heard the Big Hurt saying, well, that's what you expect with this World Series. He says it's like a tennis game, back and forth and back and forth on the wins. Yeah, it's it's not great for the stress levels, but it's 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 no. really entertaining to watch. And the Rays went with the opener, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they put Yarborough on the mound to start. He went three in the third innings, five hits, two runs, all of them earned with a walk and a strikeout. So they, it, he did his job. He did what he was supposed to do as the opener and handed off to the bullpen with Fairbanks. He went an inning, gave up a run. Castillo went an inning. He gave up a run as well. Aaron Loop, in a, in a rare bad outing for him the past couple days, he pitched a third of an inning, gave up two runs, and Nick Anderson, an inning and a third, one run. And then Curtis came on to shut things down. He went in an inning a third, gave up no runs. So handing it off to the bullpen, usually the strong suit for the Rays, and especially with guys like Castillo and Anderson and Fairbanks, a bit of a rare bump in the road for them, except for Anderson the past couple couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I always have high expectations for Nick when he's up there. He's he's an excellent player and a great showcase, but every now and then it doesn't go as well as we'd all like to have it scripted. Yeah, but they they did enough. They just kept it close for the offense, who a rare a, an outburst really for them. They scored all their runs that night. A Rosarena, he was hot again, three for four with an RBI. Phillips one for one in RBI. More on him later. And Lau, one for four with three RBIs and a homer. Hunter Renfro, one for four with an RBI. Kiermaier was two for four with an RBI. And with runners in scoring position, they were two for six. But as an offense as a whole, they had 14 strikeouts. 
Wow. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it again. Watching this game. So are we going to, before we do anything else, we want to get down deep into what happened into the biggest event. Because here we are, we're almost five minutes into the show, and we haven't talked about the most monumental play, monumental part of a game that's been out there in some times. And we're talking about game four. And yes, we are talking about Brett Phillips and how we got there. So at this point, let's let's take a step back, Brandon. Let's take a step back into the top of the ninth. Dodgers are up to bat. They have a man on first. There's two outs. Don't you always love being the guy coming up to bat when there's two outs? There's two outs. A right fielder comes up and has two balls, two pass. Then he hits the ball out to another right fielder, and they catch that ball, and there is no more top of the ninth because, sorry, that right fielder who was batting was none other than Chris Taylor. And we'll get a little bit more to Chris Taylor here in just a second. And who caught that ball? Right fielder Brett Phillips. And that, that's crazy, a bit of foreshadowing there. And a, and a, fun, a quick fun fact. Two outs this series has really made me nervous, especially in game four, because all of the Dodgers' seven runs were scored with two outs. So it's sort of like you're in that situation where I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know the way things are going. They could score right here again and, and everything. That's it. I mean, the Dodgers are a menacing team, and I know all the national guys pick them on top of everything else, but... Once again, the relentless rays, I think as some call them, you know, they perform. They made the difference. They, they don't sit on their hands and wait for some accolades to come from some national media company. They bring it to the field. And they certainly did in the bottom of the ninth. But man, the tension is you know, just, it's killing me. I mean, what, what is it at that point? Is it uh, we're looking here and we're like a, a one run behind? You're basically down backs against the wall where you have the chance to tie it up and you can, but you know, your offense not very good at putting the ball in play. It's very swing and miss. And I have an interesting stat I can give later on about that. It's like, we need a big hit here, but Phillips at the plate hasn't hit in over a week. Hasn't had a hit in over a month while he's up there. I'm just, it's like, he's just standing there watching the pitches go by. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's. Let's let's pause that. Let's pause right there because there's. I want to get to that point of excitement, but I want to remind people what what happened. We just talked about how Phillips caught the ball at the top of the ninth. Now we're all sitting on our hands. We're all wondering what's going to happen next. And you're talking about that intensity. We're not even thinking about Brett Phillips being a bad. I'm I'm thinking about Yoshi. And I'm like, gosh, oh come on, Yoshi, Yoshi, Yoshi. I've been waiting on you like I was been waiting on Brandon for the last, you know, several weeks. I mean, Brandon actually came through in a, recently a bit. You, what, what's Yoshi doing up there? Oh, come on, Kevin. We're all questioning Kevin a lot through this series, but Kevin comes through most of the time, so I wouldn't worry about him, I should say. Don't really worry about it. Anyway, Yoshi's hitting there, and he's hitting for Zanino as the DH. And I'm thinking Zeeb does probably just as well and potentially can hit a home run out there. Yoshi comes up. You know, it's uh, a foul tip, swing and a miss, swing and a miss. Boom. He's down. He's out. KK's up. KK KK has started to shine. We've seen more and more of the past KK at bat really coming up. 
You know, he's first at, his first at bat. He cracks his bat, hitting the ball, and the hit goes out there to right center, but he gets a base hit out of it. I, I like seeing him standing there at first with the the knob still in his hand. He, he looked like a kid at a theme park that still had a churro. A little bit left in his face. That was great, wasn't it? I was like, well, there's a souvenir for somebody. Yeah, like you said, he looked like a little kid out there with a cracked bat in his hand. It's like, oh, what what do I do with this now? (laughs) It was perfect. I love that. And Joey comes up. I mean, Joey, he's like super utility. He's the man there on third. He does a great job through every game. And his hitting, eh, you never know. But, I mean, he, he's consistent, and even if he doesn't get a hit, he usually wears out the pitcher. It's not usually just two, three times the ball comes by the plate. He's keeping them maybe as many as nine or ten times. But in this particular instance, he was like uh, two, let's see, two two balls and one strike. And then he went ahead and hit a line drive to the outfield, which got caught. Then there's the Miracle Man. At the top of the ninth, all of the broadcasters are saying, well, you know, third man coming up here is going to be Randy or Rosarino. Are, are they going to do an intentional walk with him? What are they going to do with Randy? How do you handle Randy? Uh, I don't know. Is, is he Barry Bonds again? I don't What's happening out here? And it's like, come on, give, give it a break. Randy or Rosarino, we have become depending upon him, and there's nothing wrong with that. The man has been fantastic. The expectation is so high. He gets up there, and what, at that point, I think, Brandon, he's three for four for the night. Man, oh man, he gets all the way to a 3-2 count. And I'm like, uh, well, why don't you just do an intentional walk? I thought, no, he's going to hit a home run and bring all these guys in together. Didn't happen. They did walk him. Jansen, now was it the night before Jansen, I believe, actually had uh, pitched to Rosarina and I think the ball went out of the park. Can't remember off the top of my head, but I believe so. But Rosarino, there's always a lot of, you know, uh, uh, expectations on him. And a man who came from nowhere, for all practical purposes, has made a great difference. But then, then we get to the other guy who came from nowhere, but actually he came from home. And this is where I want you to to talk about our guy, Brett Phillips. Yeah, he's from nearby Seminole and grew up a Rays fan. He, I saw on Twitter he went to the very first fan fest with his grandmother, so he's pretty much been a fan since day one. He's getting a bat in the World Series with a chance to win a game for his hometown team. While he's up there, he's just watching the pitches go by and it's like not even swinging the bat or anything. And I'm like, this guy has a chance to win the game for the team or at least extend it. And he's going to sit there and watch every ball go by. And this one's going to go right down the middle for strike three and end the game. But he only swung it once. And thankfully, the one time he swung it, it went back up the middle and passed the infielders to a man named Chris Tyler. Bam. Chris Tyler, a poor guy who had just struck out at the top of the ninth, is now is his responsibility to catch that ball and to go ahead and end the game. And the Dodgers walk away with it win. But that's not what happens. The tire is deflated as all the energy because... Poor Chris Tyler. He runs, he kind of fumbles up there to get the ball, and, well, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, kind of like I was watching a Little League play out there with all of the errors and misplays. You know, he made the mistake, he fumbled it, but thankfully Rosarina, for them, was on first, 
even though I was thinking as soon as he bobbled it, send him, send him. And he throws it in. The relay man cuts it off, throws it to the catcher. But the only problem is they sent a Rosarina, but he wasn't anywhere near the plate. And they actually have to zoom out because he fell down. He tripped over his own helmet that flew off. And then the ball gets past the catcher, which another thing, Jansen wasn't backing up the catcher at all. He was standing out on the mound still while this all was going on. So theoretically, it isn't all on Tyler because even though he didn't misplay it, if Jansen's doing what he's supposed to do and backing the catcher up, Rosarena still hung out the drag because he still had 15, 20 feet to go. Yeah, and and look at that. I mean, we were talking about Rosarena and talking about Tyler, but we got to remember KK came in before all the rest of that fire got, you know, whether there was going to be a fire to put out or not. He already tied it up. And I told my wife earlier, there's going to be a 10th inning in this game. I told her actually earlier in the game, but that's what I thought. Oh, KK's there. You know, Rosarena's not going to be able to get in. But then Tyler fobbles the ball and he throws it to the cutoff guy who's Muncie. Why? I don't know. They really needed a cutoff guy. That may have been part of the issue. Muncie, who's probably not 15 feet away from the catcher, throws it. And the catcher thinks he has it. And he turns and swings almost in a 360 to tag a Rosarina. And as you pointed out, a Rosarina is coming up and oh, he's, he, you know, he's rounding third and he, gets, he has so much momentum. He, tumbles and somersaults and starts to, oh my gosh, I need to go back. And then realizes that the catcher does not have the freaking ball in the first place. You know, who's a, was it Barnes? Barnes thinks he has, thinks he has the ball in it. And the next thing you know, that ain't the case. He's swinging around and the ball actually came in around him, hits the umpire, his foot, and then shoots out in the back. So he doesn't even know where the freaking ball is at this point. And as you said, Jansen wasn't there, the pitcher. The pitcher didn't come in to back him up. He came in, but it was a little late. He should have been there sooner. And uh, justice to Mr. Jansen, he did do the mea culpas later and said that was his fault, you know, that he should have been there. He didn't say that that would have made the difference for the run, but that he should have been there. Yeah, so maybe he thought that because of Rosarena was on first and they weren't going to send him, but they did. So maybe that was going through his head. And going back to what you said earlier about telling your wife that there's going to be a 10th inning, thank God there wasn't because it was getting late and I was getting pretty tired. Yeah, I think it was four and a half innings. It's almost 1230 at night when the game wrapped up. It was a little bit before that, but not much. But I tell you what, that celebration, you know, and what we just heard at the beginning, as far as everything that Brett Phillips was saying and dreaming big, that's what they did. I want to play a little bit here because Brett immediately came into a celebration. I mean, you look at that. Here, like you say, the hometown hero, the the young boy who's been dreaming about playing all this year and are playing with the Rays, would gone off to Kansas City. We get him what in August? We get him in August, and then I don't think he played in the uh, ALCS. And then we bring him to the World Series, and boom, man oh man! I think the words that Brandon Lau used was a storybook baseball game. And storybook sticks with me because I thought that's exactly what this is. I had wished that this was the seventh game in the World Series because I know that it would be immortalized if that was the case. I mean, it probably it's already immortalized in Rays in Tampa Bay history as well, but no doubt. Phillips was a guy that's you know, they got laid a bit under the radar move as much other moves have been, including Margot and Rosarena. 
And he's more known for his his goofy laugh and holding whiteboards in the dugout of how, he, how we love Randy. And he gets in a chance in the World Series for his hometown team, and he gets the winning hit, even though it was a comedy of errors. It's still the winning hit, and you you got a moment that's going to live on in local history forever. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and a couple of the last things about all of that play too is when a Rosarina comes in there and he slides in and he slaps that home base, you know, he's going to make sure one, the umpire knows it. And two, it's his declaration of guess what? Yes. The Rays have won this game. I have achieved this. And I think Randy, he appreciates everything he does with the team, but he also appreciates his own achievements as well. He slapped that four or five times and the energy of that. And I almost had a bit of sadness right after that because all the other Rays are running out past Rosarina (laughs) to Brett, (laughs) who's out there in the outfield, who's airplaning all over the place. And But Rosarina was pleased, but somebody should have been picking him up and giving him a hug too at that point. He he looked like when people like finally get back on land after they've been on a boat for a long time and they're scared and, and they're like they're like thank God we made it back to dry land and then just everybody's just jumping over him running to the other guy while he's laying there on the ground. Well, that's that's going to be a memory for me and I know many other race fans as well. So here on the raise up edition of Baseball Biz, we're glad you're all here with us. And that will be, like I said, that was when we were two and two. We'd wrapped everything up. You said it. I heard A-Rod say it. Well, folks, it's now the best of three series. Yes, best of three. It's getting down to the nitty gritty. And can we go to game five? We're the home team. We're the Yeah, we're the home team going to game five. And, uh, oh, before we go to game five, I just I do want to play this bit of Brett Phillips talking about his airplane journey. Oh, man. I, I saw KK do the airplane run in one of the videos, <laughs> and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So after we won, I took off, you know, like an airplane because I thought it was cool. Well, little did I know I exhausted all my energy doing the airplane. And then all the guys caught up to me and were yelling. <clears throat> and next thing I know, I had no energy or, or breath to yell. And if you see in the video, I kind of like have to get out of the doggy pile because I was literally this close to passing out. (laughs) So, (laughs) and it was just through pure excitement and pure joy. I know there's some guys out there with a really slow heart rate that have been in this situation probably many times before. And like, you know, it's just another day for them, but for myself, it's not. And I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it and show all the excitement that I'm feeling on the inside. That's what I'm portraying on the outside. Yeah, you know, that was the kind of energy taken off, and I was really anticipate seeing that same kind of energy coming up with Game 5. Knowing full well, this is where Clayton Kershaw comes in. This is where Tyler Glass now comes in. And Tyler has sometimes not been everything you'd like him to be, but he's still a great pitcher. But what is going to happen here? And I was a little surprised. Uh, Kershaw seemed to be really on his game. He made a few foibles, and Tyler seemed to be struggling a bit, but then he seemed to tighten up a lot. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you're going to pull him out after the second inning. Why don't you give us give us your feel on this? Yeah, going into game five, I was hoping they could ride some of the momentum taken from game four, at least as much as they possibly can. And in glass now, 
he hasn't been the greatest in his postseason career so far. And you know, hoping maybe since this is going to be his last start of the season anyways, possibly his last outing, he would take that and it'd lead him to have a great outing. But it was a rough start. He threw 34 pitches in the first inning and gave up two runs. But he, after that, he really did seem to bounce back a little bit more. And the last two, three innings, he, we got the glass now. We wish that we got him from the beginning. And if we got from the beginning, this could be a completely different ballgame. And he ended up going five innings, gave up four runs. All of them were earned. Three walks, so having more trouble again finding the strike zone. But he still had seven strikeouts. Seven strikeouts. I mean, and that's what? More than Kershaw and uh, a little less time on the mound than Kershaw, too. Yeah, he had seven, and Kershaw had six in another two-thirds of an inning. Yeah, it's just a shame when you wind up giving up the everything else that he did earlier on and made the big, big impact. But the, the Rays are aggressive. You know, they, they're coming back, and they're going to do some different things. I got to say, offensively, they, they definitely were, you know, they were getting excited. I felt like while the pitchers may be attacking this strike zone, also the Rays were going to be a little bit more intense about trying to hit some of those that were questionable as far as whether it was a ball or a strike. Yeah, and this offense looked different this game than what we've really seen. It feels like all postseason. It's like they were they were aggressive, something we hadn't seen. And we, we saw it more on the base pass, which I don't know about you, but I've personally been begging for more of is movement and putting runs together. And we finally got to see that. It didn't work out, unfortunately, but we actually saw guys get on base and then try to steal a second and then go on to third, like Margot. He got walked on a leadoff walk and then stole second and then the ball got away. And he took a little while to get going to third, but he eventually did and squeaked his way in there. Yeah, I mean, look, that that's the other critical place. We talked about the critical play in game four. In game five, it took place in the bottom of the fourth. This is when all that aggressive behavior, if you will, as far as what they should be doing on the basis came through. And like you said, Margot, what he walked, they walked him. And then after he gets on first, he's still second and third. And good Lord, the energy's up. Now he's there. He's the first one up. There's no outs. The man is on third base. And what's your favorite statistic? RISP, RISP, runners in scoring position. So what's the next thing? Uh, You see Renfro walked. Yeah, Renfro was walked. And, you know, there's like an old rule in baseball, don't throw behind the base runner. And you may be wondering what that means. But I was thinking with Margot on third – and we've seen it. He's a pretty aggressive base runner if you give him the chance. And Renfro, he's not exactly known as a base stealer, but he's got decent speed. So why wouldn't you, you know, maybe put Renfro in motion? You're not supposed to throw behind the runner, especially when he's on third. And if they do, Margot, as fast as he is, could score. Plus, even if it works, you got guys second and third, nobody out. That takes away the double play opportunity, at least the ground ball double play. Why not put Renfro in motion? If Cash had been involved, if Rodney and uh, 
Lanier's the third base coach, and of course the first base coach have been in in sync with one another. That would happen. Here's a, here's a few other things before we get to that. Just that point. There's two more outs now. I mean, Margot is on third. Renfro's walked. Now we've got Wendell. He's popped one out to the Dodgers, and a shortstop catches. Adamas comes out and he strikes out. Now, come on, guys, don't kill me here. Don't kill me with Margot being there on third. Kiermaier's up. Kiermaier's done well. But if you're looking over there, there's there's a couple of other things we need to talk about, and that is the atmosphere of this game. There are fans there, but they're only about eh, maybe 10, 20% of the fans that you would have at an actual game. These players can hear everything across that field. They can hear one another. If somebody wanted to shout instructions to another one, they could do it. Unfortunately, there was nothing being communicated back and forth between Renfro and Margot. But what was being communicated when Margot started to take his few steps is the first baseman shouts out to uh, Muncie. He shouts out to uh, to the pitcher. And he says, hey, hey, look, 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 look. And Kershaw, Kershaw's left-handed, so his back is what to the third baseman, right? So he can't see a daggone thing. If he had not been made aware, because he already started to, to look like it was almost going to be a balk. If he hadn't already started, I mean, bam, Margot just runs and goes into it. But someone let Kershaw know, you need to be looking back. Yeah. And, and that's when everything exploded. And that, that makes you wonder. Because it's a neutral site game and there seems to be predominantly more Dodger fans there to where if this was a normal season or a more normal situation where they're maybe actually playing home and home games, do they, does Margot really, does he steal home? Because you're going to have more race fans or more race fans at the Trop than you are in Arlington, Texas. And it makes you wonder, is Kershaw able to hear that he's going quick enough to where he can get the ball home? Because he barely got him anyways with uh, with the clear instructions. I, th- I think they should have questioned the call, even if it was like seventy percent. You know that it was it was to, you know that was the case, but they didn't. And it's, I thought it, it was pretty much a done deal that Margot was out, but I think it could have been questioned. Yeah, and. Some of the reviews of the stolen base, or the one earlier in the game with Seager being challenged at second, I thought he was out. I thought it was pretty clear. But, I mean, I'd be maybe looking at it through his colored glasses, but I thought it would have been worth a shot. And, and you know, things happening at second base, we didn't talk about another show because that was crazy. Some things with players running into Adamas and whether Adamas was holding somebody. But maybe we'll talk about that when we do a wrap-up of the entire series. I don't really want to say much more about game four except, ouch, 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 ouch. My gosh, as much as I enjoyed the moment with watching Brett Phillips hit that ball and making not just a tying run, but having the winning run come in from him hitting it, that was just so amazing. From that moment, my spirit left it. And it didn't really fall last night. Because things like that happen. Because I still saw the strength of the Rays. I saw an aggressive nature of the Rays. And I think if they keep that up for the next two games, Brandon, we got a World Series. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. This is what we've wanted them to be is aggressive. And it's like they they show that they they, they want to do it. It's like, I, I want to do it. I want to do it. But they won't take that leap and actually go out there and do it. You have the guys that are speedsters. You have Kiermaier. I don't know why. he's He should have the green light every single time, to be honest. They just... They, I just say if they be if they're aggressive more, I, I think they could be ahead in this series even. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, people were asking Cash last night about, well, do you think Margot should have done? Did he do that on his own? One of the things that Cash said was, "I trust the athletes. These are athletes out there. They know. You know, here's Margot. He has experience with Kershaw and the rest of them. He was out that part of the country playing in that league, and I have to trust them." You know, what I, he wasn't going to do the what ifs too much. And also, I like that he was backed up by his teammate, none other than KK, because KK was at bat. And KK, if he wanted to be, he could be a little nasty. Well, I would have hit that ball and got him in anyway. But KK was the type of player who supports his entire team and is, and he certainly supported Margot. We're going to play a bit right here about some of the things he had to say about Margot. You know, it, it was a it was a gutsy move and it didn't work out um, that time. But Manny Manny's a great base runner. He's not afraid to take risks. I, I didn't have a problem with it. He's he's been great all year, and uh, you know he's been around the game long enough to try to pick and choose your times. And like I said, it, it takes a lot of guts to sit here and try that in the World Series. Um, you know, it just didn't work out for us right there. But Manny's awesome. Um, you know, he should. Always, uh, he should keep his head up in this. That wasn't the reason why uh, we didn't win the game tonight. We we had our opportunities, and um, you know I hope he knows that. Okay, so the the thing of it is, then you just heard it from KK. KK, his support for Margot is just like everybody in that team is. They all support one another. If we listen to a bit, I'll play here in a minute too as we're going out. Some comments from. Uh, about you know who he thanks for the, doing everything together and what he thought of a team, I think that's important. I just want to I just want to thank God for the opportunity. Number one, number two, what a great team win all around. Holy cow! Just uh, proving why Kevin Cash is one of the best managers in the league, using almost his whole lineup, almost every twenty eight guys. So with that kind of attitude that kind of nature. Everybody else, put away your daggone pins and saying, oh my gosh, how much does this one make and how much does that one make? The thing of it is what what people make it in in dollars. It's their attitude. It is in their coaching. It is in the management of that entire organization and what they bring to the field every night, every play. That's why I'm one of the biggest race fans I know of. And Brandon, I know you are too, so raise up. That's the way it should be because Kiermaier shouldn't have to throw them under the bus. They're trying to get – it's a World Series. you got to leave it all out there, and that's what they're doing. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I'll go back to the Lightning. Early in the, in the postseason, John Cooper, the coach, was saying, you don't want to leave your shift wondering, could I have done more? That's the way you don't want to leave the field each time you're out there. And going back to the, a little bit – with runners in scoring position, aggressiveness, I think, could help that. And it's been a problem all year, and John Stable tweeted out, in the regular season, they were hitting 244 with runners in scoring position, which was 23rd. In the postseason, they're hitting 192. So I think if you're aggressive, 
it really puts it in the mind of the pitcher. Because if, if you got a guy standing out first and you know he's not going to go anywhere, you're not going to worry about him. So you just focus on the hitter. But if, if you have that little seed of doubt in your mind that he could go, then that leaves a, a little bit more of a percentage of a mistake pitch. And who knows who could be at the plate? Could be Margot or Rosarina, Zanino. Who knows what could happen with that? Well, I, th- I think you hit it on the button. And it's an aggressive nature. And it's going to be our opponents making mistakes because of their expectations of what the Rays may or may not do. I want to kind of wrap things up here a bit, Brandon. We'll we'll play maybe a couple more quotes here from our good friends, uh, good friend Mr. Phillips. He had a lot of good things to say. I can't be thankful enough for this team this year. The excitement that the Rays have brought to me as a fan is just amazing. I don't think I'll ever see the kind of aggressive nature that we've seen the last two games. I mean, Brett Phillips what he achieved, and even Margot, what he attempted to achieve. I was so excited about it. That's what baseball is about. Baseball is fun, and that makes it fun for all of us. So I'm excited about it. Brandon, any last words, anything else you want to share with all our fans? Uh, Just one last thing. It is never over till it's over. I have a tweet from Ryan Fagan on Twitter. In the past 40 years, the World Series has been tied 2-2 16 times. The team that won Game 5 to take a 3-2 series won the World Series eight times, and the team that lost Game 5 won the World Series eight times, including last year's Nationals, who were down 3-2 to Houston and won it in seven. So it is never over till it's over. But, man, that's fantastic. I, I, I love Davey Martinez. I love what the Nationals did last year. And let's go ahead and take that as a mirror to what the Rays are going to achieve in the next couple of nights. Thank you for everybody who's listening here to Baseball This, Brandon and I, and hope that you've been enjoying the World Series as much as we are. We're looking forward to more success from the Rays in Game 6 and 7. Until then, we look forward to seeing you all again real soon. Take care and raise up. Keep dreaming big. You know, these opportunities, they're they're closer than you think, and they, they can come about. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for providing the music, stomps and claps.